uh, somebody who attended Southwestern, uh, this is very exciting. Uh, this is something that I would have done had the opportunity been presented to me before I went to SAGU. Now, I love my experience I had at SAGU. It was, it's an awesome school, it really is. And I met my wife there, and she's beautiful. So, oh. <laughs> Okay. Uh, so, so it was great. It, it really, really was awesome. But uh, especially, you know, if you're a junior or senior, or if you're parents in the room, uh, talk to Dale after service and and just see what your opportunities are, uh, and see see what type of a benefit, uh, especially the financial benefit. Man, such an amazing opportunity to get the same same degree for for almost like half the cost. You know, so really cool. So this morning, uh, Pastor Scott didn't want to come into work, and uh, he's at home doing drugs or something. I don't know. <laughs> He had surgery, so it's okay, all right? Calm down. All right, so, um, so I'm going to talk to you today about witnessing. And uh, I know Pastor Scott talks about this a lot, uh, but I think maybe, no, he's pretty good. I was going to say I'm better, but no. Uh, so uh, I want to talk about witnessing today because, you know, it's, it's something that's been on my mind. And, um, and whenever, you know, you have a short time to prepare something, you talk about what you've been thinking about. So... Um, over over you know a, a while I've been thinking about witnessing and 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 this question is coming to my mind: Why is it so hard to just step out and, and see God do stuff? Why is it so hard to just just take a step in, of obedience and and see God do something in somebody else's life? To be able to, to be able to watch life change happen with somebody else because you stepped out and and did something for God, you know? And and, and uh, I've been asking that question because it's like. I know so much information about the scripture. I know so much, I have so much knowledge about who God is and, and his grace and, and, and all of this stuff. But at the same time, knowing all of that, it is still for some reason easier for me sometimes to just make up an excuse why not to do something or just to, to sit there and, and do whatever. You know, I mean, like, like Pastor Scott's been talking a lot about, about seeing the power of the Holy Spirit really move seeing it really just, just break out and be able to see people get saved and get healed and, and, uh, and, and be provided for and stuff. And God wants to use people to do that. And, and so I've been asking that question, and, and specifically when it comes to witnessing, man, I, I wish that I was better at witnessing to people. You know, as somebody who firmly believes in Jesus Christ, and I mean, like, based my whole career off of this and everything, for somebody who stands up daily and says, I want to live my life for Jesus today, uh, I, I think that I probably should be better at it than, than what I am. Now, I know I'm a youth pastor and, and uh, to some of your children, and, uh, and I will say that, that I, I live my life for Christ, and, and I encourage them to do the same, and, and I'm, I'm unapologetic about that. But at the same time, I think that Outside of here, there's probably a lot of opportunities that I have to, to show people Jesus that, that maybe I miss because I don't see them, because I'm not thinking about it, or, or maybe I, I try to ignore because I don't want to start an awkward situation, or maybe I have somewhere to go and I don't necessarily want to sit there and talk to this person, you know? Uh, it, it, probably all selfish reasons, really, but I, I really do wish that I was better. And uh, when I was in high school, I knew that I, I already knew that I wanted to be a youth pastor. I already knew that, that God had called me into full-time ministry, and my application was into SAGU, and I was, I was heading that direction and, and everything. But at the same time, knowing all of that, I still really didn't tell my friends very much about Jesus. Now, they knew that I was a Christian. They knew that I was going to school to be a pastor, and some of them would like joke and call me Pastor Josh all the time, which is weird at that point, um, because I hadn't even gone to school or anything. I was still in high school. And, uh, and it was just kind of like people knew that I loved Jesus, 
but I never told them why they need to love Jesus too. And, and I look back and, and like, I try not to beat myself up over it because there's nothing that I can really do now to change that part of my past, but I can let that change who I am today. So I've been thinking about this and, and there was so much in that time that made me afraid to tell people about Jesus. And, and like I said, some of it maybe was complacency or laziness, but, but at the same time, I think that was driven by like, maybe I don't know the right thing to say. Maybe I can't give them an entire outline of the gospel, or, or maybe I can't answer a question that they might have. Or, or, I mean, like, it was also very easy for me just to ignore it because I was such an introvert at that time. And I know, like, it's crazy because I'm such an extrovert now. You're like, Josh, an introvert, you know? So, um, but trust me, if you think I'm introverted now, you should have seen me then. You wouldn't have. That's how introverted I was. <laughs> so, um, but, but really... Man, I, I had so many opportunities to tell people about why they needed Jesus, but, but I didn't, and, and it was all these things. And I think sometimes I would think, like, if I'm witnessing to somebody, uh, it means that I have to sit down with them, and I can only talk to them about Jesus and the gospel and why they need Jesus in their life. And, and by the end of that conversation, they better be saying a prayer of salvation, otherwise I'm a failure, you know? Like, I, I know that that's kind of an extreme thing, and I even thought that was extreme, you know, thinking about that myself, but... For some reason, we have like this culture sometimes of church that, that tells us these things and, and we get stuck on them and, and, uh, and, and, and we let that control us and keep us from doing what God is, is asking us to do. Um, so it was very hard for me to tell people about Jesus and, and, uh, and I really, really look back. I had a lot of friends who didn't uh, love Jesus and they really needed him and it was apparent because of how they were living their life, uh, how much they needed Jesus. And, uh, and I just... I didn't take that step. I didn't step out, and, and I really do regret that. And I think that the thing, you know, looking back, I, I really blew that opportunity for, some, for someone else to really be changed through Jesus. And I think the thing that I didn't realize was this, is, is witnessing is just sharing the best part of your life with others. That's really all it is. Witnessing is simply sharing the best part of your life with others. I mean, if you... If you have decided to, to give your life to Jesus and, and live for him, you, uh, surely you've come to the point to realize that he's good enough to, to give your life to him. And, and not only that, but hopefully you've experienced the amazing things that, that he's provided for you and, and uh, in peace and redemption and forgiveness and all these other things. Jesus, if you're living your life as a Christian, he better be the best part of your life, you know? He really is. And witnessing is simply sharing that. What has God done in your life that's so awesome that somebody else could benefit from? Witnessing is simply telling people what Jesus is doing in your life, just sharing the best part of your life with others. I mean, we do this with so many other things, like, uh, like I don't know, like maybe you get a new car and like you roll up and you're like, hey, everybody check out my new car, you know, you're revving your engine or whatever, I don't know. Or maybe you're like me, you buy a really junky Jeep and you put big tires on it and you're like, hey, look how much stuff I could drive over, you know, I don't know. <laughs> and uh, it, there's so many different things, or maybe you bought a new grill and you want all the guys to come over so you can do some grilling or whatever it is, or I don't know, women, maybe you bought a sewing machine, I don't know. But, uh, you know, when, when you have something that's a really cool part of your life, you want to tell people about it. You know, you're like, I got to tell somebody this, you know, I just got this and, and somebody has to know other than me. You know, it's really, it's really kind of something that, that we love to do. But at the same time, when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, that is the best part of our life that, that really actually matters. So when it comes down to that thing where, where this has eternal value to it, it, it seems like, man, we lose that excitement somehow. And I don't know, maybe this is just me trying to process through my own problems up here, but I don't know. <laughs> so, um, 
But I really do think that sometimes when it comes to that, like we don't realize how good Jesus is to us and, and the fact that, hey, if, if he's good enough for us to change our life, why, isn't, why would that not be good enough for somebody else to change their life? You know, if, if he's been good enough for me, why would somebody else not want that, you know? Uh, so I think when we talk about witnessing, especially from a, a corporate, like, church perspective, like, being a pastor and everything like that, you know, we tend to, like, go into this process of research, trying to figure out, like, okay, how do we do this the best way that we can? You know, maybe we look at churches that have, like, five or 10,000 people, and we're like, obviously, they're doing something, right? So we're like, what are they doing? And we try to copy it and, and try to put together organized prayer teams and, and uh, outreaches and, and all this kind of stuff so that people can come and, and see who Jesus is. And, and as awesome as that stuff is and as beneficial as that can be, it really is more important on the relationship level, on the one-to-one level. And in fact, I mean, like those type of things, corporate outreaches and all that stuff, witnessing does not have to be a corporate effort. In fact, I believe it's much more effective through everyday relationships. I think that witnessing is much more effective through everyday relationships. And I think that without that relationship, people don't really get to experience who Jesus is if they haven't known him yet. So as we're talking about this, I want you to know that that people get to know Jesus by seeing him. People get to know who Jesus is by seeing him. And the way that they can see him is by what he's already done in your life. They can know the character of Jesus. They can know his love by the, the things that he's already done for you in your own life. And we can use those as tools to be able to to show other people Jesus so that they can experience the same thing that we've experienced. You know, I've been thinking about this, and I'm praying that that as we go through this this morning, that that we will begin to feel confident in, in sharing Jesus with people. And, and, and you know, maybe, maybe you're in this place and you're like, man, I struggle with those fears too, or I struggle with, you know, thinking witnessing has to be like this big thing or whatever. And, and, uh, and, and I'm praying that, that hopefully God can help open up our eyes to be able to see the simplicity of this, to be able to change our hearts in, in, in a new direction with this. So our, my main passage I want to speak from today comes from John chapter 4, and uh, this is the main section of it that I want to, t- to read right now. It's, it's John chapter 4, verse 39 through 42. Uh, this is the, the story of Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. You may know the story. Uh, if not, we're going to get into it a little bit later on in the sermon. But this, this part really stands out to me. It says this in verse 39. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village, so he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you've told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. Now let's go back to verse 39. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said. Because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. She was simply sharing the life change that happened in her through Jesus with all these other people. And that's the simplicity of this is, man, God did something in my life. I want other people to know about it too. God did something in me. And I want other people to see that so that they can experience this change too. I've experienced something that that maybe I don't deserve, but it's better than anything else I've ever experienced, and I want somebody else to be able to experience that too. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said. She took that small step. There's a few things that I want 
to point out in this that I, I really think are going to help us in the, in the subject of witnessing here. And uh, I, I tried to consolidate them and think about what are, what are these, these going to be. And, and uh, so, so as we're going through this, there, there's three things I want to draw our attention to. And the first thing is this, is that people have a longing for Jesus. People have a longing for Jesus. People want to know Jesus. Now, if they haven't met Jesus yet, haven't been introduced to him yet, it may be kind of hard for them to understand that Jesus is actually what they want, right? But people have a longing for Jesus built into them. And sometimes I think that we just jump to the they don't actually want to hear it thing too quickly. We jump to the, the thought that, oh, they don't actually want to know who Jesus is. They don't want me to tell them who Jesus is, or, or I'm not going to tell them because they actually don't really care. They don't want to hear about what I have to say about Jesus. And, and I used to do this all the time. Like, like, I obviously see how you're living your life. You don't want to hear about Jesus, you know? Like, and I would use that as an excuse not to talk to them about Jesus. And I think that this is possibly like one of the, one of the strongest lies of the enemy today is that people don't want Jesus. You know why? Because the enemy's perfectly happy with, with you having your relationship with Jesus as long as you don't tell anyone else about it. You know, I mean, like, maybe he's not happy that you know Jesus, but, but at the same time, I feel like he's pretty, pretty satisfied when, when all we do is live our own life with Jesus and come to church, and, and that's about it. When other people's lives aren't really being changed or impacted like they could be, I think that, I think that the enemy's pretty happy about that, that we have the power to do so much, but we choose just not to do it. I think that it's such a lie to think that somebody else doesn't want to know Jesus because people have a longing for Jesus. You see, everyone's longing for something, uh, and, and really that something is Jesus, but it can, it can look like different things. You know, despite all the faults that, that Hollywood has, one thing that they are getting right is the longing, the, the, that longing that people want. You know, we see so many movies about heroes that are sacrificing themselves for the greater good and all this type of stuff, and, and it totally moves us. And we, we love being able to see that, to, to have these heroes save people from hopeless situations. And we get so moved over moments like when, when Obi-Wan sacrifices himself so that Luke and his friends can get away and falls to the hands of Darth Vader. And I mean, it really doesn't count, though, because he came back as a hologram later. So, um, you know what? It... If I knew I was going to come back as a force ghost, I would let somebody kill me. Anyways. <laughs> um, so, but the reason, there's so many other examples of this where, where we have like this story of, of heroism and, and somebody is sacrificing so that somebody else can live. And, and the reason why it's so popular is because a longing for Jesus and a longing for a savior is built into our DNA. Hollywood is, is, is right on with this, and they're making these movies, and people are eating them up because we long for Jesus. And even though it's a different example, it's the same thing. We long to have a Savior to save us from what's going on in our lives, to save us from living in this world where people get offended way too easily, and you can't stand up for anything, otherwise you're the wrong person. You know, I mean, like, we, we need a Savior from, from our own sins, from our own self that, that constantly chooses to do the wrong thing, even though we don't want to, which has always been so hard for me. I hate that. I hate that. I know I shouldn't do this, but sometimes I want to do it anyways. I hate dealing with that. And, and Jesus, like, I need a Savior from that. I need, I need a Savior that can give me strength to fight temptation. I need a Savior that can give me hope and restoration. People have a longing for Jesus. Going back to the Samaritan woman at the well, we can see 
this longing from the woman, even though she doesn't yet know what the answer to the longing is. She doesn't yet know that Jesus is the answer to this desire that, that her and the other Samaritans and, and the Jews have at that time. So uh, in case you haven't heard the story before, Jesus and the disciples are traveling and they have to make a stop in Samaria. And uh, the Jews and the Samaritans don't have a great relationship with each other. Uh, it's kind of a tense situation. So um, anyways, they get there and uh, Jesus is sitting by a well. He tells the disciples to go out and find some food for them to eat. And while he's sitting there, uh, a woman comes up and he asks the woman to get him a drink of water. And that brings us to verse 9 where it says, The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you do not have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? So I think at this point, I think that she's being a little bit like there's almost like a, a, a tongue-in-cheek kind of light m- idea talk going on here uh, because I think that she senses something real is happening or whatever, and, and she's got baggage in her life that you're going to see later, and I think that she's trying to kind of make light of the situation in her talk here. Um, and so we see some of this going back and forth. It's almost like they're you know, playfully talking around a subject uh, and Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink uh, the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I will never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. He said, go and get your husband. I do not have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband you have, fi- have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you were living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. So I don't know about you guys, but that would make me uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know if you guys have, like, a, a spiritual leader in your life or, or maybe a, a mom or dad that, that at some point they just completely read your mail, and you're like, hey, that's not fair. Okay, you weren't supposed to know that, you know. Um, so anyways, I digress. So... Um, she says, sir, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while Samaritans claim it is here on Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshiped? And here, I, I really think, again, I think she's trying to redirect this into a theological kind of debate or whatever, you know, because I think she's trying to avoid the change that Jesus is trying to imply on her life. And so she asks this question, is it right? Do we find the answer to this longing that we have to worship Jesus over here? Or is it really only available to the Jews over here, this longing for Jesus? You can tell, like, like we want this. We want to worship God in the right way. So, so is it really only where the Jews are? Or is it here where our ancestors worship? And, and Jesus is at the point where he says, believe me, dear woman, The time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. And the reason is, is because Jesus was going to become complete access to the Lord. And he says, there will come a time when those who seek the truth will find the Lord. It's not about, is this right or is this right? Or or, is this where I find the answer? Is this where I find the answer? 
Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. And, and people are longing to find something. And they're, I'll worship over here if I need to worship over here. I'll, I'll do it over here or whatever. And, and Jesus is saying, it's going to come a time where those who seek truth will find the Lord. And it really is an amazing thing because this is the answer to everyone's longing. No matter what it is that they're looking for, they may think it's something completely different, but you, when you seek truth, you will find it in the Lord. And that's really cool. And, and like paralleling that to today and, and kind of some things that, that I'm thinking about, like how do we apply this to, to maybe stuff that we go through? Sorry, I lost my point right here. Um, you know, the woman is asking this question about longing and everything, and Jesus is telling her that, that those who seek truth are going to find the Lord. Um, and people who don't know Jesus might, might look at this differently. You know, this longing might look different to them. You know, they look for meaning in life. They look for hope. They look for purpose or fulfillment or happiness or, or whatever that is. And the world is trying, you know, everything they can to be able to offer what it is that, that this longing is, is looking for. And, you know, they might offer... Um, a, a good career or money or success, you know, drugs, sexual promiscuity, music, and, and all of these other things, like where people are trying to find the answer to this longing through, all of these things offered by the world, and, and basically, all of these things are not the answer to the longing. Jesus is the answer to the longing. Like, as much as we can try to seek to figure out what it is that's going to make you finally experience joy or to make you really happy or fulfilled in life, the only thing that we're really going to find that through is a relationship with Jesus because he is the answer to that longing. People long for Jesus. It's very simple. It's built into our DNA. So that was the first thing is that people long for Jesus. And we have to know this. Like when we are going out to share Jesus with people or, or living our life as an example so people can know who Jesus is, we have to know that people actually want Jesus. People are longing for Jesus, but they may not know exactly that it's Jesus yet. They may not know that Jesus is really what they are longing for. It may look like something different for them. Uh, so the second thing I want you to know is that life change happens when people meet Jesus. Life change happens when people meet Jesus. You know, Jesus brings a, a complete new outlook and hope into our lives. He, he totally changes our perspective from, from seeing things uh, the way that this world sees them to being able to see things uh, like he does, and, and bringing our mind into like-mindedness with him, and it gives us a completely different outlook and hope for the future, knowing that even though I'm not good enough, I still am able to go into heaven because Jesus cared about me enough to, to be the sacrifice that, that covers my sin. You know, and, and God, Jesus brings a whole new hope and outlook. You know, I think about like when people have near-death experiences, uh, they often change their behavior in life. Or, or when you think about somebody who, who finds out that they have cancer and, and, and they've been given a, a date, you know, a time limit, you know, you would hope, I mean, it's, it's a hard situation, but it should bring about some at least change of mind and thinking about how valuable life is. And, and people who have experienced that, you know, they may change everything about them. It, it gives them a whole new perspective. They change up their professional goals, invest in the dreams that they put on the back burner. Uh, you know, possessions become less important than relationships. And all of these things change. But here's an encounter with Jesus is far more powerful than an encounter with death. An encounter with death can, you know, be a wake-up call to remind us of things that seem like they're worth living for, but our first encounter with Christ makes us alive and gives us something truly worth living for, something that has eternal value in our lives. And when friends and family see us living differently according to that change that we've received through Jesus, they want to know what it is that has changed us because everybody 
is longing for that. Everybody wants that. Everybody wants that change. An encounter with Christ is far more powerful than an encounter with death. When we see life change in someone, we, you, know, you may want to ask, like, oh, how did you do that or whatever, but, but the big question is why. Why did you change? What is so important in your life that makes you change in, into doing this? And, and uh, looking at an example in the Bible, when we see the story of Zacchaeus, uh, he he experienced a complete life change. And, and I don't know if you're familiar with the story. Uh, you can look it up and, and read the whole thing in detail. Um, but uh, Zacchaeus was a tax collector, um, and um, he worked for the Romans and collected taxes from his own people, okay? And, and the way they did it, as long as the Romans got their money, they didn't really care uh, how much more you asked for, and, and he was stealing from people, demanding taxes and things like that. Uh, so uh, his own people did not like him very much at all. Okay, he was not a popular person. He was not liked. Uh, he was very rich and wealthy because he stole from people, you know? Uh, so if you want to be rich and wealthy, steal. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. So, um, but we see a story of his encounter with Jesus. He hears that Jesus is coming. He knows that he's a powerful man and he wants to see him. Uh, he's a wee little man, so he has to climb a tree. So uh, he climbs up this tree and Jesus sees him in the tree and calls him by name. Uh, and, and he asks to go to Zacchaeus' house uh, that evening. So uh, we don't really actually see a lot in the story of, of the conversation or the event that took place in this house. Uh, but you know that it was powerful because on the other side of that encounter with Jesus, Zacchaeus completely changes his life. He comes out a completely different person. He's going around and, and giving his money back to the people he took it from and, and trying to work hard to make up the money that, that he owes people with interest, like all this kind of stuff. He goes from a complete greedy, selfish person to a selfless, giving person. Now, that's like crazy. Nobody would have ever expected him to make that type of a change, you know, like when pigs fly type of thing. You know, it's crazy. Like nobody would have expected that at all. But because of an encounter with Jesus, he's a completely different person. And people want that change in their life. And people need that change in their life. People need change from, from the struggles that they're dealing with. People need, need hope to deal with the things that we have to deal with in this world. You know, I mean, like, how is somebody, you know, supposed to cope with, cope with things without Jesus? Like, I mean, I know there's so many times, like, like, it's not just like, oh, I need Jesus to, to make a life change and then I'm good. No, I mean, like, I still live my life every, I still need the joy of the Lord in my life. I still need the hope that he provides. I still need that happiness. I still need that confidence and that strength to be able to, to fight things in my life. My life is changed because of Jesus. And it's not just like, oh, I used to be this terrible person and, and used to be addicted to drugs or I murdered somebody. Like all this, it's not even like that at all. Sometimes we think that in order to have a good testimony, you have to kill somebody. Or like, you know, I don't know. And, but, but the thing is, it's like my life every day is a testimony. When you have to deal with things that you never, never should have to deal with, the only way to get through it is, is receiving like the hope of Jesus Christ. When you have to face something that's really hard and, and you are able to have joy anyways and you're able to have peace through that, it's only because of Jesus because he brings that change into your life. And there are so many people out in this world, our coworkers and people who don't know Jesus, that when they face real struggles that really happen, they don't have the answer. They aren't able to access the person that really, truly provides joy. They aren't able to access that hope. They might try to find it in certain things. They might try to find stuff to make them feel better, but it's not cutting it. We need that true life change that happens when we meet Jesus. 
It's something that is worth fighting for. It's something that is worth giving your life for. You know, I think about that show, uh, The Biggest Loser. I don't even know if it's on anymore, but uh, I remember watching it uh, with my family. This was a long time ago. Um, But you would see people make incredible changes on that show. It's like the show where, you know, really heavy people go and they do this training and they lose a lot of weight and whoever the, loses the most is actually the winner. So you have to be a loser to be a winner, you know, kind of playing. Okay. So, uh, but it's incredible because like at the beginning of the show, you have these people who, who literally like run out of breath getting off of the couch to, to answer the door and, and can't play with their kids and stuff like that to at the end of the show, they're running a marathon. It's, it's amazing. It really is crazy. That is some serious life change. And the thing is, is like they have something worth fighting for. Like the people who actually make it to the end, it's because of their family. It's because of something that really matters to them. Like, like I remember one of the person's story, he's like, he's like sitting there, you know, realizing the state of life that he's in, in tears. And he says, I just want to be able to run with my kids. I just want to be able to, to play with them. I don't want them to like, well, d- dad's not going to come because he, he can't, you know. And he really had something that was worth fighting for. It was worth it. And when you experience the change that Jesus can bring into your life, it's worth it. It's worth living your life for, and it's worth sharing with other people, too. When you see somebody else who's like, man, I'm stuck in this situation in life, and I don't like where I am at all right now, but they don't have the answer to get out of it, man, that's hopeless. That's sad. But here's the thing. If they can just see what God has done in your life, See how you have joy even though you shouldn't. They can have it too. Witnessing is simply sharing the best part of your life with other people. So the first thing was people have a longing for Jesus. People want to know Jesus. The second thing was life change happens when people meet Jesus. And, and uh, the third thing is people meet Jesus through relationship and obedience through relationship and obedience. You know, if Jesus, if Jesus hadn't taken the time to, to talk to the Samaritan woman, I mean, he could have found another way to get water. He's God. He could do that. You know, if he hadn't taken the time to, to care about, about this woman, uh, she would have never experienced the life change that she did. The fact that I've been searching for this Messiah this whole time, and he knows everything that I've ever done, but he still is accepting me. This amazing life change, like I am going from the complete wrong direction to, to hope and a future and all this stuff. And that life change never would have happened if Jesus hadn't taken the time to talk to her, you know? And so with us, we have to understand, like, people meet Jesus through relationships and obedience. In the relationships that you have with people, you know, do you really care about them enough to ask them what's going on on a, on a real level? Not just like, hey, how you doing? Like, the kind of thing you do in church where you'd say hi to somebody, but you keep walking the whole time so you don't actually have the time. You're like, hey, how's it going? Oh, good, cool. All right, see you later, you know? I mean, like, we, we do that stuff a lot, and it's kind of like just a habit, and I understand, like, I don't really mean to, to just totally blow you off or whatever. Like, if you really have something you want to talk about, I'll talk to you about it. You know, it's, it's just kind of a habit to say that, but, but I think sometimes we have this superficial, you know, relationship with people, and, and, uh, do you really care enough to actually know what's going on in their life? Because when you do find out what's going on in your life, you may be able to share how Jesus has brought hope to you and, and could bring hope to them too. When you do really find out the struggles they're going through, you all of a sudden go from, from no opportunities at all to an opportunity to pray for somebody to experience Jesus. It's all about relationships. And I think that that's something that, that we don't do very well sometimes. 
we don't take the time to just sit down and say, you know, hey, what's been on your mind recently? You know, has God been speaking anything to you recently? Is there anything that you need prayer for? You know, can I, can I do anything to make your life better? You know, when was the last time you, you really talked to somebody and, and sat down and figured that out? Somebody other than maybe your mom, I don't know. When was the last time that you had a relationship like that with somebody? And I think about this too. In the world we live in today, it's far too easy to be connected with people without having a real relationship with them. In the world we live in today, it's far too easy to be connected with people without even having a relationship with them. Right? I mean, like, just because you like a post on Facebook doesn't mean you've advanced your relationship with that person, you know? I mean, they may not even know that you liked it, okay? And, and, and we play this game in our mind, like, oh, yeah, I know what's gone on in their life, and, and, and they're dealing with this or whatever, or they just got this, and, and uh, it was this person's birthday today, and I sent them a thumbs up, you know? So, and, like, we, we are so connected, but at the same time, like, we're more connected than we ever have been before, but at the same time, it feels like we've never been more apart. And it's kind of a weird thing. And it becomes awkward, it becomes weird for us to actually sit down and say, hey, what's going on? No, really, what's going on? You know, it's weird. We, we use this, this social media. Like, it doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter how much I follow you on social media. I can know everything about all of your posts and pictures and, and all that's going on in your life because I follow that. But, but none of that means I actually care about you or, or, or have a real relationship with you. You know, I mean, what really matters is, is face-to-face time, being able to have a real conversation with somebody, being able to sit down and say, hey, you know, I really do care. I mean, like, social media, don't get me wrong, it, it provides an amazing tool for us to be able to connect with each other, especially, like, if somebody really is in need or something like that, to be able to have that communication and everything, it, it really is good, but I think we use it as a crutch sometimes to think that we actually are doing something, to think that we actually have relationships, like, like hey, you know, I got relationships, I have 600 friends that I never actually see, you know, I mean, like, it's... It seems silly to think about it, you know? Uh, where are the relationships in your life that really matter? And, and are you focusing on them? Where are the opportunities in your life where you actually can have a face-to-face relationship with somebody? And are you seizing that opportunity to, to be able to bring hope into the life through Jesus? It really is a, an incredible thing to, to think about, and it's so important because you know that from here on forward, it's only going to get harder and harder. It's only going to get more and more important for you to, to be able to actually talk to people and be, be able to put the phones down and, and, and actually have conversations with people. I will grow more in a relationship with, person, with a person and get to know more about them in 10 or 15 minutes sitting down and, and having a conversation with them than I will following them on social media. You know, and, and, and I'm not trying to make social media out to be the devil or anything, you know. Like I said, it can be a good tool, but we, we better not use it as an excuse to, to think that we actually have some good relationships in our life. You know, I think that if you already have a good relationship with somebody, awesome, connect with them, you know, you get to connect with them on Facebook too, you know. But it really is important for us because here's the deal. Life change happens through relationships. People know Jesus through relationships, People will know Jesus because they know you, hopefully. If you really live your life for Christ and and you've let him come into your life and you've been changed by him, people will know Jesus because of you. I ask the the students this uh, sometimes, does your school know who Jesus is because you go to your school? Like, will people in your school know who Jesus is because you're there? Are you really talking with people? Are you living that example? 
Are you being the person that you need to be? So I, um, I talked to, uh, so we have some youth leaders. Some of you guys may, may know Marcus Correa and Brianna. Um, so I talk to Marcus and see him like every week because he's a youth leader. Uh, he's also on the men's team. And, and uh, uh, so, so I talk to him a lot. Uh, and uh, I see him like every week. And we, you know, go play sports with the, the teenagers, throw the frisbee or soccer ball or whatever and, and, and stuff. And, and, uh, but at the same time, like, even though I talk to him that much, I see him very often, uh, I realize that, that we really don't have as strong of a relationship as we could. You know, and, and, and this came to light when, uh, when, when we went to men's retreat because, first of all, men's retreat was such a, a powerful time, such an encouraging uh, experience to encourage us as, as men to, to just go after praying for each other and, and, and really supporting each other. It really was awesome. And, and uh, so uh, Marcus rode home with me from men's retreat and we were sitting there talking about kind of our experience and, and, and stuff like that. And, and I came to the thought, like, man, how long has it been since we've actually had a conversation like this where, where I'm asking, like, hey, you know, is there anything that you really, you know, what's actually going on in your life? You know, tell me, tell me what you need prayer for. Tell me the things that you, you are hopeful for. Tell me what God's been doing in you and, and speaking to you and stuff. And we had such an amazing conversation. And, and it was, seemed silly to me that, that we, he had been a you know, we had been connecting so much for so long, and at the same time, it, it, it took us being in a car alone on the way back from Menzer's to actually have a real conversation, you know, and, and not to say that, that I didn't care about him or, you know, but at the same time, like, like, through that conversation, I figured out things that he needed prayer for, things that I could support him with, and, and I was able to share things I needed support with, and, and it really was an amazing thing, and I think about that with, it, like, it made me think about other relationships that I have, other people that are in my life that I talk to all the time but don't actually really talk to, you know? And, and, and there's so many opportunities for me to just simply ask somebody, hey, is there anything I can do to help you? Is there anything I can do to pray for you? You know, anything I can pray for? You know, what's actually going on in your life? Can I encourage you in some way? And like, how are you supposed to know how to encourage somebody if you don't actually know what's going on in their life? You know, it, it really is crazy. It started me thinking down this path. And, and something awesome that happened from that is he was sharing about how his, uh, his knees were hurting uh, and stuff. And, and I was talking to him a little bit about, like, I've been having some stomach issues and stuff like that. And so I said that, and he's like, man, I can relate. Every time I try to work out, my knees are hurting, and I really need to work out because I feel like God's calling me to move into this different job, and, and uh, it requires physical activity and stuff like that. So he's been trying to train and everything like that, and he's like, every time I work out, my knees are killing me. And, uh, and so we get done with this conversation. I'm like, well, I might as well pray for your knees. You know? <laughs> uh, since we talked about it, let's pray for it. You know? And he prayed for me, and I prayed for his knees, and, and I was like, do you feel any better? And he's like, well, I don't know. <laughs> so it's just when I work out or whatever. I'm like, okay, well. Uh, so, so anyways, like two days go by or whatever. It's like Monday or Tuesday, and he calls me up, and he's like, Josh, you wouldn't believe this. I've been doing squats all day and my knees don't hurt at all. And he's like talking to me. He's like, I'm doing squats right now. They don't hurt. You know, like, like all this stuff. And I'm like, legitimately, you know, you're, you got no pain or anything. He's like, no, it's like totally different. I would have never been able to do this without knee braces on and stuff like that. And he was wearing knee braces the whole time we were at men's retreat. And, uh, and it, was, it was incredible because I would have never been able to, first of all, experience that for myself to see God use me uh, to 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 do something, to, to be able to have the chance to be obedient for God. I would never experience that if I hadn't had that conversation with him. And, and, you know, he would have never been able to experience God moving in his life if, if, if we hadn't had that, you know, if, if that relationship wasn't there to start. Because I guarantee you, if, 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 you know, I just sat there and, and didn't say anything the whole way home, which I'm perfectly capable of because I'm an introvert, I, I would have never had the opportunity to pray for him. And that's just an example to say, there's a lot of places in our life where 
where people are hurting and people need help, and we have the answer, but you may not know that they need it if you don't talk to them about it. You may not know that they actually need something. You may not know that, that I have the answer to this and his name is Jesus and he's already done this in my life. He could do it in yours too. You're never gonna be able to see those opportunities if you don't seek out those relationships with people. You see, witnessing, again, is so simple. It does not have to be this planned out structure where you have to go you know, to someone and have a specific conversation. They have to say a prayer, otherwise you failed. You know, like, that's not what witnessing is. It's not even trying to teach them about the Bible. You know, it's, it's simply showing them who Christ is by showing them what he's already done in your own life. Returning the love that God gave you to somebody else so that they can experience his love too. People should know Jesus because they know you. And it's not because you're a Bible scholar. It's not because you have a degree or anything like that in Bible, it, it's because you know Jesus and he's already changed your life. So we're going to get ready to close here. And, and there's a few things I want you to think about. I want to say this again. Witnessing, simply sharing the best part of your life with others. And think about how great it is to have God. Think about how great it is that he has done something for you. Witnessing is simply sharing the best part of your life with others. And then this, people are eagerly, eagerly, they're longing, they're eagerly wanting to know Jesus, and all it takes is one small step. All it takes is saying, yes, you know what, I'm going to pray for you and believe that God's going to heal you. All it takes is that one step to say, you know what, I used to not have hope either. And then I met Jesus. And, and despite all of this stuff that I'm going through, I, I still can wake up and, and say, praise God for this day, despite what I've gone through. And I think he can do that for you too. It's just one small step. We think about this as this major uh, undertaking and accomplishment to, to get the guts to go out and tell somebody about Jesus. But really, all it is is one small step. So what is that one small step for you? Maybe you have something specific that you can think of right now, maybe not. But what is that one small step for you? Maybe it's simply asking if somebody needs prayer. Just stepping out and saying, hey, do you need prayer for anything? Maybe it's praying for someone you've met, believing that God can heal them. Seeing, obviously, you're struggling physically right now with this, and I can see that you don't like the place that you're in, and I believe in a God that can heal that, so let me pray for you. It's just one small step of obedience. Maybe God is the, maybe you've been going around and God's been, been prompting you. I don't know if anybody in this room, this has been you, but maybe God has been prompting you to tell people things and you're like, I don't know why God's telling me to tell them that. But maybe it's just taking that one small step and saying, God, I'm actually going to go talk to somebody next time you tell me to say something. It's just one small step. There have been so many times where people like, like I don't even know like how they, like, they have no idea what's going on in my life, but because they've been praying for me, they come up to me and say, hey, God is telling me this. And I'm like, you shouldn't, like, how did you know that? Like, God, that's crazy. And God wants to use us to do those things. God wants to use you to speak to somebody else. It's just one small step. Maybe it's just sitting with somebody and being willing to listen to what's going on in their life. Just having a real relationship. Just one small step. 
So as we close today, I'm going to ask if you guys would all stand with me. Uh, we're going to pray uh, about a couple things. And, and if you guys wouldn't mind bowing your heads and closing your eyes just for, for privacy, uh, so that this can just be something between you and God, um, you know, think about this for yourself, process it. And I don't want to go through, you know, the end of the service without asking if anybody needs to have a relationship with Jesus. So if you're in this room right now and, and you're like, I don't necessarily think I should tell people about Jesus because I need him for myself first, right? If, if you've never accepted Jesus into your life and experienced that life change that comes with that, and you want to do that in this moment, would you just raise your hand and, and you could just raise it up and, and put it right back down if that's you. Uh, I just want, there's something about that confidence in, in raising your hand and, and that affirmation. And, and I also want to be able to pray for you. So, so if that's you, if, if you need Jesus in your life so you can experience that change, uh, would you just go ahead and raise your hand up and, and you can go ahead and put it down after you raise it up. So I'll just give you a couple, couple more seconds here and, and don't think, I'm not trying to pull your arm or anything like that. Um, so awesome. So what we're going to do at this point, and, and I want you to know, even if you didn't raise your hand, and, and if you did raise your hand, um, this, this is still for you. And, and we're going to say this prayer together as a church family. And there's nothing special about me saying these words and you repeating them. It's not anything weird. I'm just helping you with the words to say. So if you guys wouldn't mind, I'll, I'll, I'll repeating this after me. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you to change my life. Please come into my heart 100% so that I can live my life for you from this day forward. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Awesome. Hey, I want to encourage you guys to, uh, if, if you decided to make that decision to follow Jesus and, and uh, experience that life change, I'd encourage you to talk to somebody about it. Uh, build a relationship with somebody. If you need to talk to me, I'll talk to you. Uh, I'm totally open for that, but I encourage you to talk to a friend, talk to somebody who brought you, who you came with. That's really, because that's a big deal, a big deal. So the second thing is this, whatever it is that you need to do as an action from here forward, maybe you've been thinking about this and you're like, maybe I really should talk to more people. Maybe I should have better relationships with people. Maybe I should be, like all these things are things that have gone through my mind. Like I really should look for more opportunities to be able to, to just ask people if they need anything. Like whatever that is for you, if you need courage to take that one small step, I just want you to be thinking about that, process that in your mind, think about what that is. What can you do to make positive change after this message? What can you do this week to make a step in the right direction? So I would like to pray kind of a blessing over you guys as we close out in this and, and know that I'm praying for what you're thinking of, okay? So let's pray. God, I thank you so much for everyone in here, Lord. I pray that you would help all of us be able to step out and have the courage and boldness and, and faith to just just take that step and, and have real relationships with people and, and be able to share the amazing things in, that you've already done in our lives, Lord, so that other people can experience change through you. God, we thank you so much for the blessings and, and, and hope and joy and everything that you've already provided to us, Lord. And I pray that you would help us just be world changers, one small step at a time. Thank you, Jesus. Pray this in your name. Amen. All right, well, remember to continue to be praying for Pastor Scott. It's not fun recovering from surgery like that. So keep him in your thoughts and prayers. And uh, I love you guys. We'll see you next week. <laughs> I don't know where I'm putting that. <laughs>